When life sits you down, sometimes it's to course correct your path. That's what we're discussing today on The Devil is a Lie. The Devil is a Lie. Here's your host, Angel Nicole. The Devil is a Lie. Many of our paths are heavily influenced by our parents, guardians, and even our environmental circumstances. That was definitely the case for our guest, Tressa Azarel Smallwood. At her core, she's a teacher and comes from a long line of educators, but she quickly learned during a life-happened moment that she has a heart for content creation and a passion for business. Tressa is a female filmmaker on the rise. She struck a production deal with BET Networks and has produced over 11 films, including Secrets, Sinners, Wanted, Holiday Break, All In, just to name a few. If you've been feeling stuck in your current career and itching to branch out into a new industry, I'm excited to have you hear Tressa's story. Welcome to the show, Tressa. Aw, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm always so grateful and honored to be in your space. (laughs) Thank you for setting aside some time to talk with us because I know you are always on the move. So I wanted to start by hearing your transition story. I know it and I think it's such a powerful story about just overcoming adversity and just going with whatever life throws at you and making the best of it. So talk to us a little bit about when you were on bed rest. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, most people, when they hear my story, they go, you were a school teacher? Like, how did all of that happen? Um, And so, yes, I was teaching back in 2001. Um, I thought that that was going to be, you know, my next new life, you know, climbing the ranks in the educational system. I just got my master's degree and I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter, Bailey, who is now 20. So, of course, that was 20 years ago. And the doctor told me, hey, you know, you're at risk. Um, Your pregnancy is at risk. And so in order to save yourself and the baby. We need you to go on bed rest for six months. I thought that it was like a death sentence going on bed rest. And like we all do, I think all of us, if you just think about your own life for a moment, whenever you get hit with something that was not your plan, you think it's a horrible thing. And clearly this was God's plan for my life because I didn't know what was happening. I I went on bed rest. I got my little bell, honey. I was like, I'm going to ring this thing and get my husband moving and serving me. And, you know, I was like, this is this is it. Well, I have a family member who uh, was working at a correctional institution at the time. She started telling me all these stories about what was happening at her um, at her job. And so I was like, oh, I need to try to write this. And so she encouraged me. I had no idea how to write a book at the time, but obviously having an educational background, I knew I needed an outline. So that was the one thing that I think really helped me is is having having that knowledge. Um, I quickly started buying books and just studying anything that I could at that moment about how to self-publish. A lot of a lot of the material I was reading, remember that was back in 2001. So self-publishing was not popular then. Um, and so a lot of people were talking me against it. They were like, why would you want to self-publish? Like, that, that's, I don't think that you should do that. You don't know what you're doing. Like, I mean, there were so many negative comments. Naysayers. Yeah, oh, for sure. But I kept pushing and I said, hey, what I do love about self-publishing is that I can create my own path and that I will, I will have control over every decision that I make. And it's not up to somebody else about when I release and you know, what the edits look like, you know, it was all on me. 
Mm-hmm. So although it was a learning curve, it went well for me because once I got off of bed rest, gave birth to Bailey, three months later, I published my book, my very first book. And I sold 10,000 copies. Um, well, so the first 5,000 happened, I think, within the first two months. That was very quickly and made like 42K. I wasn't even making that much as a as a teacher, teacher. with a master's degree. So sold out of those, went right back printed another 5,000. So I was like, okay, I sold 10,000 books very, very quickly. I think I want to do this for a living. So Mm -hmm. I never went back to work. And when I tell people this story, they're like, oh, shoot, I don't want to go back to work either. (laughs) And I'm thinking, hey, think it all through because I was like, let me talk to my husband about this. He looked at me like I had 12 heads. And he said, I just need you to tell me how you're going to duplicate your success again. Because you have a very stable career that comes with health insurance, life insurance, all of those kinds of things. And you're now willing to go out on a limb for it all. I told him my plan. He said that the reason why he kind of stamped it was that I didn't just, I wasn't just talking. I gave him a real plan, a real blueprint that I had created about what I was going to do. And mm-hmm. in that blueprint, I said that not only was I going to write more books, but I was starting, I was going to start publishing others. So Mm -hmm. within that first couple of years, I was going to produce at least five other books and duplicate the success that I had with my own. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that he really believed me, but I just know that the blueprint was good enough that he said, I got to give her a shot. And we never looked back. By 2005, I had about 10 authors under my belt and I was making like 400K a year. So, you know, it worked for sure. The other piece behind that was it gave me freedom. Um, everybody, whenever you do something, you know, you do it for what it means for you. For some people, you do things for money. For some people, you do things for your family, for legacy. Some people do things for freedom. We all have a different reason for doing things. And for me, the freedom to be home with my children and running my own company from home was a big plus for me. What I did not know back then was the power and the importance of owning intellectual property. Again, that was God's plan for my life. He wanted me to have all of this. Before we dive into intellectual property, I want to ask you something. So we went from 42,000 in two months yeah. of publishing, right? Yeah. And that that was a grind. And I, I just want the audience to understand because a lot of times they hear this and they think, oh, I'm going to throw this up on Amazon. That's not what you did. You went out, you were selling books out the back of your trunk. You were, you know, you kind of did your own world tour. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of hustle that goes along with that level of success, right? Yep. So in five years, you went from that 42,000 in two months to 400K in 2006, right? Yeah, there, right? yeah, four years, yeah, yeah. Right, so to make that big of an adjustment financially, yeah. right? Yeah. There had to be some downward slopes where you were nervous and was like, oh, wait a second, oh, yeah. this ain't the, I'm not at 400, I'm not at 100, like, what am I doing? Yeah. What were those moments like? Yeah, I think anytime you have a certain level of success, you're trying to figure out how to scale your business and what do I do next and how do I expand, right? Because everybody wants to expand, but they don't understand that expanding sometimes can mess you all the way up. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of decisions to make with like, hey, okay, you made all of this money. Now what? Do you invest a certain portion of it back into the business and other books or do you 
you know, go for it all. Right. And so it was, it Mm -hmm. was, those were the decisions where I started to lean on like my general counsel and, and having mentors in the business. Mm -hmm. I think that that's important in any business that before you make those decisions, because everything looks good, right? Everything on the surface. Like, <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah, sounds good, <laughs> looks good. I'm like, honey, there are some down situations and some horror stories in that as well. I think for me, the thing that I did correctly was I always relied on the mentors, the attorneys, the accountants to weigh in on the business. And a lot of people, they don't want to spend the money on mentors. They don't want to spend the money on attorneys. They want to take shortcuts and it will mess you up later. One of my attorneys told me very early on to build a book catalog that I can eventually license or sell mm-hmm. and eventually turn those projects into movies. And at the time when they said that, I was thinking, movies? Are you kidding me? I don't even know how to make a movie. That's not even on my radar. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. when I tell you movies was never a part of the plan um, until like 2014. And then I said, oh, that's why he told me to do that. That's why it's important for you to pay for expert advice, because you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I'm so clear that I did not have this plan for myself. And so one of the things during that um that period from 2001 to 2005, although I was making mistakes, I did not make the mistakes that some of my counterparts made because I hired the right team. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move into that intellectual property because I think having the right team, having the right mentors, getting the right counsel to surround you, guide you through your path, because you're right. Like when we start off, we don't, I don't care who you are in this business. And if you started a business, there's pivoting. COVID, I feel like just about any small business owner had some form of pivot that they had to do. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? So having the right counsel to guide us is important. But how important is it to make sure that you own your intellectual property? I think that that is key because it sets you up for the future. Um, Right now, I have 160 plus books under my book catalog. Yeah. So, we got some applause going on all here. Right, all right. <laughs> yes. And so, of course, every month that's residual income, right? While when I'm asleep, we're making money. When I wake up, that money is being generated in all of those electronic and digital accounts. But then also, we now turn some of those books into movies. Once I got into the movie business, I started uh, doing projects that were not booked to film. So, my film catalog. Um, is a combination of book to film and original projects. But owning those means that 50, 60 years from now, when I'm dead and gone, my children will continue to get those checks off of all of that intellectual property. But as the author, that doesn't mess them up because they've kind of signed their rights off to you? Or how does that work? So it it works differently for different situations. It depends on the deal that you structure. Now, anybody who's with me, they just must know. Jesus. I'm going to take care of you. They must know <laughs> Jesus because this movie here, Secrets, that was my very first movie. And as opposed to having the author sign over all his rights, like typically that's what companies will make you do. He is a partner with us. And every time I get a check, he gets a check. That's not typical. So I don't want to put anything out there and and tell people so that people can go and talk to the people who did their deal. Like, oh, well, she said, nope, don't. (laughs) It's whatever deal your attorney negotiated for you and who you're doing business with. But I like to make money forever with all my people. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of deal structures that we have in place for some of our projects. Let me just say that. Mm-hmm. There are certain projects that I have done with networks where that's not allowed. And it's like, listen, you buy the rights and network owns and I own, the, you know, and then that's it. So every deal is going to be different. If you are an author looking to do a book to film adaptation and you want to own all of your own stuff, I applaud you. There is a way that you can do that. You need to call me so that I can help you maintain your ownership and be able to go and produce your very own movies. It's now easier than ever to produce a movie. It used to sound like unrealistic that an independent human being could go out and produce a movie on their own, but it is very possible through learning, knowledge, etc. So I guess in 2020, when I did a full documentary virtually, somebody in Hollywood was like, yo, you need to submit this for to some film festivals. And I was like, what? Like, no. And I did. And I was like winning film festivals left and right. And it was completely done virtually. So it definitely is possible if you have the skill set or the wherewithal to learn the skill set. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So today you are an award-winning producer. Congratulations. What would you say throughout this 20-year journey has been your proudest moment? Oh, probably filming movies and attending releases um, with my children. I think, you know, when you think about trying to teach your children, I'm sure all the parents can relate to this. You want to teach your children certain things and they're not really listening to you. They're like, they're, you know, they're They're watching, but they watch, but they may not listen. (laughs) And so I remember one time we were at a, um, at a movie release and my daughter, Iman said, wow, mom, she's like, I don't know if I told you, but I'm really proud of you. And it was almost like it just hit her. Like, Because, you know, they grew up just knowing the grind is real. Get to work. This is what we're doing. And boom, 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 boom. And, you know, they see it. And because our entire family, we come from a family of grinders. Everybody's working. I don't don't care who it is. You'll be six (laughs) years old and you're going to need to stuff an envelope, ship a book. You're going to need to do something. So they come from that and they just get so accustomed to it that sometimes I don't think it, it hits them as to what's really happening. And that was the moment where she was like, wow. You know, and e- even for me, sometimes I'm just doing the work. Like I'm not out there looking mm-hmm. for, you know, some shine or, you know, I'm not looking for validation. So there are times where I have to even settle down and go, oh, wow, that was pretty dope because I'm just constantly doing the work. Exactly. Now, as your children are now getting older, but the grind is still real, you're on travel a lot more. The kids at one point in time, they were at home, they were at school. How did you deal and cope with mommy guilt? Oh, it's hard. It's hard. Well, I would say the first thing is, you know, obviously being in this line of work, you do get the opportunity to make your own schedule and say, hey, where I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. So I, I really did not miss out a lot on school related things. But it's hard when you're a parent and you're juggling these businesses. And I would say to to parents out there, when you when you start a new business, find a way to engage your family, you know, your spouse, your your children, your boyfriend, girlfriend, what you know, engage them and say, hey, this is what I'm doing over here. Um, you know, like Angel, I know you're an author as well. I used to tell my husband all the time, I say, Have you read my latest book? And he's like, No, I'm thinking, like, well, there's a copy right there for you. Go ahead and start on page one. Right. <laughs> so I mean, just always making sure 
that because because when your family feels like they are part of it, it helps. Yeah, it's a lot easier. And you know, my family, they're all in like we travel together. I'm like, hey, I need everybody. It's like 10, 12 of us. We on the way. Like, so, you know, it, it's it's the family thing for us now. I love it. You guys are tuned in to the Devil is a Lie podcast. And our guest is Tressa Azrael Smallwood, the media mogul behind Mega Mind Media. The Devil is a Lie. Now, you've done my shows before and you know I'm big on those moment from the valley uh, segments. And on The Devil is a Lie, we call it Your Devil is a Lie. <laughs> so what I would like to hear from you is a time where you may have felt like you were dealing with imposter syndrome or faced with adversity and wasn't quite sure how you were going to overcome it. So what I would like to know is what that moment was, how you overcame it, and what was waiting for you on the other side. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I will say this. I have a couple of moments. I, I want to share a moment that's that kind of stands out for me. I was getting ready to shoot a movie and it was March 2019. And my dad went into cardiac arrest, like maybe two or three weeks before. And I knew that it was an attack. Like I was like, oh, the devil is really trying to get me right now. So in, and for people who don't know the difference between a heart attack and a car- and cardiac arrest, cardiac arrest, they're like, oh, you're out of here. So the doctors were telling us that my dad had 1% chance of living and that we needed to prepare. And so my sister and I were at the hospital and I was still casting for my movie. And people were in awe and they were like, I cannot believe that you have the strength to continue, you're on your laptop and in this room. And I was like, yeah, we pray and then I go have meetings and then I get up and I talk to my dad, I speak life into him and then we pray some more and I go back to the point where the doctors were like, they were not happy with us. They would come in the room and talking about like his transition. And I'm like, don't speak that around my dad. Like he's going to be fine. But again, they thought we were absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And that situation was meant to take me down because even like other people in the film industry, they were ready to cancel the shoot. They were like, oh no. And, and I'm like, no, this is going to work. You continue working. My personal situation, we will overcome. I believe in Jesus. It's going to be fine. I'm going to have a testimony. And I remember the day that my dad woke up. It took him like maybe three or four days to wake up. All of the doctors were lined up in the hall. And I remember I showed off a little bit, Angel. I walked out the room and I was like, see, didn't I tell y'all? Y'all y'all need to listen. Let me just tell you about Jesus for a minute. I was probably showing off. Um, <laughs> and when they were telling my dad like the stories, my sister said, yeah, she was putting the nerd people out the room. I said, yeah, I needed them to understand if you're going to come in this room, this is how we're operating in here so that you can have a testimony because apparently you just believe in your statistics, but that's not the case. And so we ended up shooting the movie in May as planned. And it was a testimony for everyone. Like even my dad, like he's still in disbelief sometimes when we tell him what happened and what the doctor shared. But my business never wavered. The business continued because my spirit was right. Like I knew, like, I'm not going to let this take me down. And I think that so many times as a business owner, people, you know, have you, have you ever called somebody to handle something for business? And they're like, oh, I can't do it right now because my boyfriend left me or I'm not in a good space or they changing their Facebook um, disposition. And I'm thinking like, none of that matters. If you're going to do business, Stay focused and do good business. You are going to have personal setbacks and personal challenges, but how you handle them, the mindset that you have going into it, 
is going to be everything. I'll give you just a short one. This is another thing that I think has happened to me many times is I'm on the verge of a really big deal. And if the deal falls through and it doesn't happen, I'm okay. And everybody's like, dad, you're not sad like we are, you know? And I'm like, no, because that means God has something else for me that's bigger, that's better. It wasn't for me. And so I bounce back very quickly. I don't, it's like, oh, okay, well, that didn't work out. Let me go and, you know, pray about this. Now, all of that comes with maturity. You know, I wasn't always like that. Um, I just think with time and growth and maturing that that's, that's who I am today. So you'll probably never see me falling apart. It's like, listen. Well, everybody don't have the Tressa Azrael uh, trait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to give them a little bit. I know. And I'm here for it because I totally understand the power of knowing and trusting in your faith and who you are. But for those who oftentimes feel a level of intimidation or like they're not good enough, like they're inadequate or that they're not qualified for the industry that they may be migrating into or the idea that they may have, they may think that they are not the right person to bring it to fruition. What advice do you have to help them get out of their own heads and into their divine positions? Yeah, number one, believing in yourself, right? And it's easier said than done, right? So many people say, well, I do mm-hmm. believe in myself. Yeah. Do yeah. Do sense. you really, really believe in yourself? One of the other things I think that helps you to believe in yourself is when you can become confident in your field, in your industry. So what does that mean? How do you become more confident? Take more classes read more books, attend more conferences, anything to boost your level of understanding with what you do. Uh, When I first entered the film and TV business, I didn't know anything. I mean, nothing. And so I wasn't as confident. I couldn't get on the calls and have the conversations that I have now. So I knew I have to study. I have to crank up my level of knowledge in this industry to the point now, sometimes when I'm on conversations with people, they'll say, are you an attorney? I'm like, kind of, sort of because I'm constantly talking to my attorney and just learning. So it's a process. So becoming confident means you got to say, hey, I'm going to learn everything there is to know about this. Even, Angel, when you did your first podcast, you probably said, oh, I hope this goes well. I hope my microphones are right. Over time, you start getting into it. It's like, oh, I'm good. I already know. Let me just keep working at it. Mm-hmm. And you don't and you don't waver. So I think people have to to start investing in themselves and making sure you can be the best at what you do. The other thing is the world is waiting to try to chew you up out there. There are people who are waiting for you to fail. There are people who are like, "Mm, yeah, she ain't good enough. Do you know how many rooms I have walked into and I've been the only female, the only black person? And there are people looking at me like, where did she come from? And how did she get here? And I am boldly like, hello. Yep. How many films have you done? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I've done this. Right. Like, and so, you know, I'm not a name dropper. I'm very humble. I believe in humility. But sometimes you got to just let people know because they'll try to get out of pocket with you. And so you got to just figure out a way to to maintain your humility, but yet stay on your ground with people because they do want to make you feel bad. And unfortunately, we Mm -hmm. can't change people. We're not getting ready to change society. So that element will always be there. That's why you got to learn as much as you can so that you can be confident in knowing, okay, I got this. And no matter what setbacks come my way or how other people try to make me feel, 
I'm good and I belong here. Like I belong, like I know I belong in the film and TV industry. Here's the thing, in TV and film, this is what happens all the time. They say, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. And I'm like, okay, that's great. That's great. What have you right? done? But I always just kind of <laughs> say, that's great. And I'll leave it at that because I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't really care because mm-hmm. right now I'm the boss on this set. So you can take your 20 <laughs> years of service and go do exactly what I just told you to do. <laughs> but it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. How much of it do you think has to do with the fact that you're a Black woman? A lot. A lot of it. Because I deal with a lot of males and it is very challenging for them. So I try to start off with just being very personable and just having conversations so that they know what my heart is. Because my intent is like, I'm not, there are no power struggles for me. I just want to get a mm-hmm. job done and write. I'm applauding you, whether you're a male, female, like I'm not looking at your gender. I'm just looking to make great projects with great people. And so a lot of times I can tell from the very beginning if it's going to be something that is challenging. So of these great projects, what's coming up? Ooh, so two I'm very excited about. So I've teamed up with Country Wayne, the comedian, to do my very first comedy. And we just finished shooting that in Atlanta. And Country Wayne is so, so sweet. He's such a great guy. Like, that's why we match. He is very humble. So our synergy is amazing. He's like, listen, I just want to act. You handle the business. Let's make a great movie. We're going to be in theaters in October. So I'll circle back with you around August and give you all of the good info. Um, But that movie is going to be hilarious. So I'm so excited about that one. And then I also am doing a project called Greenwood Avenue that is going to be my very first Oscar winning movie. Claim it. Okay. Um, More (laughs) Chestnut is one of the EPs on that particular project. And it is a present day account of what happened in Tulsa for the Tulsa race riots. And it's a drama. So, you know, conflict, stakes are high edge of your seat type of film. People are going to really, really love it. So those are the two that I'm most excited about. You know, all of these are okay. my babies right now. Yeah. You know. So which of these projects, Angel, going to get an opportunity to like show up as a newscaster? Yeah. What you need? What you need me to do? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Listen, and I'm trying to think there will be, um, oh, you know, so there's a movie that we're doing in September. You don't have to call me about that. We do need a newscaster. Yeah. See how, see? Oh, look. <laughs> look at God. This, this is what you need to talk to your folks about. Like, if you want an opportunity, you got to open up the mouth. Say it. You got to speak Close it. mouth. Don't. Don't get fed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it. Well, I'm super excited. You already know. And I've been dying to work with you since the very first time that we met. I don't even know how many years ago. Yes, honey. How can people get in contact with you to learn more about your upcoming projects and stay abreast of Megaminds Media? Perfect, perfect. Yep. So two things, two ways to get in contact with me. Um, well, first of all, people who are looking to learn about producing your own films or, you know, authors who are doing um, book to film adaptations or if you just have an original idea, uh, the best thing to do is to email, get on my email list. Um, it is www.tressaazarel.com. So that's T-R-E-S-S-A and then Azarel is A-Z-A-R-E-L. If you go on there, you can put your email in and and I'll send you info when I do sessions on helping you know where to start to getting your screenplay done or getting your first movie done. 
Um, the other thing is we do a lot of casting calls and just um, info on what's coming up, events for Mega Mind Media or for events that I'm personally doing. And the best way for that is just to follow in my social media at CEO Azarel. So CEO and then Azarel is A-Z-A-R-E-L. So those are the best two ways. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of the amazing information that you shared about your journey and um, just working in the entertainment industry and just the power of perseverance and believing Mm -hmm. that you are capable and have the necessary tools to fulfill your dreams. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, darling. I appreciate you as well. Okay. Okay. For everybody at home, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you have enjoyed this. A number of people have inquired about following me on social media and you can surely do so at The Angel Nicole on all social media platforms. The Devil is Alive is a production of the Alive Podcast Network, an entity of DC Media Connection, engineered by Julio Gonzalez of Zymer.co and and music provided by Audio Vibes. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media at Alive Podcast Network. If you're interested in joining the Alive Podcast Network family, visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com to learn more. We hope that you enjoyed today's show. And remember, there is greatness within you. And if anybody tells you any different, the devil is a lie. Until next time, be blessed. The devil is alive.